Welcome to Find Your Inner Sage, a show making self-care easy so you can live the life you want. I'm your host, Fiona Lynch, a clinical psychologist bringing you evidence-based information and tips that work. Join me and our inspiring guests as we empower you to look after your whole well-being so you can live with joy and meaning. Today we're joined by the incredible Jess Ryan. Jess is a bit of a powerhouse, I think, in the coaching and fitness industry after she spent the last 10 years in it. She's certainly well-trained for this area. After completing her Cert 3 and 4 in fitness, her Bachelor of Exercise and Sports Science degree, and for the ever the student, she's now in her third year of studying osteopathy. She spent a few years practicing and studying DNS, powerlifting, weightlifting, running, and is a certified yoga teacher. And recently, since this episode was recorded, she completed a coaching internship in Venice Beach, California. But I think what makes Jess so unique and such a strength in this industry is her intense awareness of how people's mental and emotional health and their mindset impacts their ability to meet any of their lifestyle goals. Jess draws on her earlier experiences growing up in Melbourne, playing lots of different sports, including AFL football and soccer. She spent a massive 16 years Irish dancing and has performed across Australia, but as well internationally in China, Russia, Italy, Sweden, and Korea. All of these experiences make Jess the coach and the person that she is today. And she brings this to her online coaching business that she's just launching, Kindling Club, that helps develop strength, life skills like leadership, discipline, and consistency, and self-worth in people through fitness. We're so fortunate in today's conversation to get to hear about Jess's ideas on changing her own mindset to help her lifestyle, as well as what she thinks helps other people that she's worked with so that they can prioritize their well-being as well as their self-care. Today's episode, we're joined by Georgia Prisco as a co-host from Intuitive Cycles. Jess, thank you so much for joining us. So nice to have you here today. We can't wait to get started and hear lots about how you work with people around them looking after themselves in your many different roles. But first, we wanted people to get to know you a little bit. So can you tell us a little bit about how you spend your time within your work and your life and how you got to where you are now. Yes, excited to be here. Wow, this is really cool for me. Um, I am a coach, health and fitness coach and have been in the space for probably near nearly a decade now, um, which makes me feel old. <laughs> but yeah, I am coaching at the moment online and across a gym as well. That's a clinic sort of in terms of exercise rehab which goes well because I'm studying osteo so a mixture of osteo and coaching and with coaching mostly focus on the strength conditioning performance aspect along with rehab and then how that helps people just improve other areas of their life as well in terms of you know mindset relationships energy um, you know that whole like how you do one thing is how you do everything type thing. So, um, yeah, if you can work on skills in the gym or in training, then hopefully that then flows on into life and that's kind of how I like coaching. Yeah. Yeah. 
Awesome. And you're such a busy person. Like you've got the gym, you're doing your, your online coaching as well. You know, you mentioned you're studying osteo. You've got other jobs you haven't even mentioned as well. So you're very busy within your work and your career and outside of that as well. So what do you do for your own self-care? I, yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned busy because I feel like I've been trying to avoid that word I feel like years ago, and this could have even been maybe based on some of our previous conversations as well, but years ago I feel like I used to thrive off being busy and I used to sort of wear that as a badge of honour for, oh, look at me, I'm so important, look how busy I am, when then it sort of got to a point where that was pretty dysfunctional because I wasn't then taking care of myself and kind of, you know, spiraled downhill in this burnout sort of cycle because I was super busy. So, yeah, it's interesting that you say busy because now I probably technically am busier now than back then, but I feel a lot more in control of my state and life now, even though I'm doing more. Mm. So, yeah, I feel like I'm not thriving off being busy as such or wearing it as a badge of honour, but... um, Yeah, I think in terms of self-care, I guess the main pillars are always going to come back to sleep, nutrition and training for me. Um, If I had to add a fourth, it would be meditation recently, which I've been getting a lot of value out of in just taking space to slow down and not think. Yeah, those have been the main ones probably. Mm -hmm. What's helped you? You said that you used to maybe be even a bit less busy, but you weren't thriving and you burnt out a little bit. What's helped you now thrive, even though you still do lots of different things? I think it's probably just realizing that I am number one. Like I need to be number one and work, business, uni, relationships, friendships, training, anything else in my life needs to come second to me not in a you know uh selfish way in a negative way but in a selfish self-care self-love like if I'm not okay then nothing else in my life can be okay so it's probably the fact that I messed this up so many times before that you know, I didn't want to feel burnt out with no energy and I, I wasn't showing up as the person that I wanted to show up as at work, in friendships, relationships with my family, all of that, because I was just so tired and frantic and chaotic that I didn't want to be that person anymore. So I sort of had to go down mm-hmm. into the, you know, the mud to then realize, hey, I need to find a better way or, you know, I'm my health's going to suffer and then if I'm not healthy, I can't succeed in business, life, uni, all of those things anyway because if you don't have your health, then you, you don't have anything. So, yeah, it's probably through making a lot of mistakes that I then realized, hey, no, I need to be my number one priority and I need to manage my energy and make sure that I am getting enough sleep because I noticed the, the ginormous difference in this is how I show up when I'm sleeping, training, eating well, getting sunshine, having some spare time, even if it is 20 minutes to just go outside and read a book. 
my ability to then show up in other areas of my life when I was doing those things compared to me work, 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 hustling, not getting enough sleep on my computer, sending emails at 10 p.m. Like I was just not the best version of myself Mm -hmm. in any way, shape or form. Mm. It's funny that you already touched on is self-care selfish because that's something that we have been asking our guests and we want to ask our guests because often we think, you know, if we give to everyone else first, that's being selfless. But then, yes, if you leave yourself burnt out, then you actually are only half doing everything, aren't you? You can't do anything to a good capacity. Mm. Um, so I love that you've brought that up already because it is it is such a selfless act, isn't it, to put time aside for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And it's so like even in this space, I think one of the big things that really sort of solidified the importance of that was I started working with a lot of new mums and just, you know, parents with young kids and they kept showing up at training and, you know, side note, I'm not a parent, I don't have kids, so I, you know, I'm coming from a place of not being there myself. I know it'll be such a big challenge, but uh, the conversations that I was having with them, there were this like, um, you know, they were saying, oh, I I can't do this this thing for myself because I need to take care of my kid and I need to feed my kid and I need to... Uh, do all of these things to take care of my child and I was like yes and you're completely neglecting any need that you have so that you are a functioning human being to better take care of your child so my kind of thing is you know one day I want to have kids and I want to build these habits now while I don't have a little human that I'm trying to keep alive if I can build these habits now and be like no no if I take care of myself, I will be a better parent to my kid, you know, that will then hopefully, hopefully help me in the future. Mm, Yeah, definitely. And we've had a few new parents sort of reach out to us and say, can we do some episodes around that? Because we know that's such a challenging time and really, really normal to find that you're not looking after yourself in that time. And, you know, your exercise goes, your nutrition's just whatever. You can get down in that, you know, few seconds you might get before you need to attend to bub again. And so we know that's a really, really normal, normal challenge for, for new parents, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Huge. And the, you know, there's a term that's being coined postnatal depletion because it is that that sort of depletion that happens over time, isn't it? Because if you're not creating sustainable habits, you become depleted and then you can't, you're kind of starting from rock bottom to build yourself back up rather than that. Yeah, slower steady. So let's even chat a little bit about when you work with new mums. You can talk about all of your clients, but what in your work experience do you find really helps people to start to incorporate self-care into their life a little bit more in their routine? Think it. It's definitely individual dependent and I think there's just never a blanket rule one size fits all with this because even just with us three, like self-care to me means something different to self-care to both of you and then to the person next door, like everyone's form of self-care and what they feel fills them up and gives them energy and fills their cup you know, is completely different. So I think it's important initially to sort of sit down and have that self-awareness for what what makes me feel good. 
because a lot of the time you can just go through the day and go through the motions of all these tasks that I need to do. And this article on the internet told me that I should be hitting 10,000 steps a day and I should be drinking three liters of water and I should be strength training or should I be running or should I be eating this way? There's just so much information. It's quite overwhelming. So if you have someone, especially if we do use the new mum example, you know, if you're a new mum, chances are you're not sleeping the best. So then it's, you're not operating at your maximum capacity that you probably could. So let's work with the capacity that you have now. And if it's something like you want to improve your sleep, but you have a new baby and there's elements of that that are completely out of your control, i.e. when your baby wakes, isn't always going to be, you know, when you want it to be, then it's, can we make sleep a focus right now? Or is that something that you can completely not control right now? We can focus on something else. Like, is it, can you have a conversation with your partner to say, hey, I need 10 minutes in my day today where I can sit out on the balcony and have a coffee and watch the sunrise with no baby. And that's going to fill me up for 10 minutes, have some me time, and then I can come back to, you know, serving my family or whatever it is that's important, you know. So it's like having that self-awareness for what can I do today that makes me feel good, even if it's one thing. And then making that, I try and make it as objective as possible. So then you can reflect on it and say, okay, am I doing this? Yes or no. So even... A few years ago, I was probably at my like rock bottom point and just didn't have capacity to do the things that I would normally do. So me taking care of myself at that point, I wrote a list of things that make me lose track of time and things that help me feel good. And my daily task for me to win the day was do one thing off that list, tick it off each day. And that was it. Whereas then when I am operating at a higher capacity and have access to, you know, more resources or more part of my brain, or I've got more energy and time, then I can improve that to, am I looking at improving the quality of my nutrition? Can I set a bedtime or can I set some boundaries around uh, social media use before bed? So I get a better quality of sleep and all of that sort of stuff. So I think you just need to work with the person to realize what capacity do they have now What can they commit to? And can you just do something that's five or 10% better today than what you did yesterday? And then just just do that. Doesn't need to be zero to a hundred, you know, that's where a lot of people go wrong. It's so true. And you know, so often when we're kind of goal setting with people, they might have gone from not walking at all. And then you try and set the goal and they want to walk three times in the next week and, and sort of pulling back to go, well, is walking 10 minutes more than what you walked in the last week, in which case start with the 10 minutes, start with something really achievable, really measurable, you know, so they know when they can sort of objectively tick it off, like you say. And I love that idea of just five to 10% towards your self-care, not, you know, we don't have to do our self-care perfectly. And that's often where we can kind of get caught up and not do it at all, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And the other thing I really liked that you mentioned was, and especially the new mum example is a big one of talking to your partner or your family or your friends about your goals, because if they, and maybe get them on board as well, because it makes it easier if they know that you're trying to get an earlier bedtime, 
then they won't necessarily ask you to go out at nighttime or they'll understand if you say no to something that they invite you to. So I think having those open dialogues makes it so much easier to make changes, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. I was um, was chatting to one of my old clients and friends the other day and she was asking me, because I was talking about sort of a transition that I had I used to be a big party girl that would go out you know every weekend binge drinking and just very fun time but that behavior would not serve me now with my current lifestyle and goals that I'm building and she asked if I lost a lot of friends in that transition which granted the transition was over a few years but the you know, the values that I had back then when I was drinking every weekend and just partying all the time and spending all my money on going out and all of that are different values than what I had now. So I was sort of like, well, yes, even the people that I'm attracting in my life now are different because the values that that I have, that I share with my friends are now aligned with health and well-being and yeah we like a cocktail and espresso martini every now and then but you know it's not getting blind drunk every Saturday night so it was kind of that like her worry was that she would lose friendships if she changed her behavior and wasn't as much of a party girl as what she's being and yeah my advice I guess or just sharing from my story to her was similar to what you're saying and sort of just saying like look, this is really important to me. Alcohol is impacting my mood. It's impacting my financial situation. And I'm trying to save for a house. Like if you explain the why, your friends, if they're really your friends, they're going to respect that and support that you are trying to do something good for you. And if they are triggered or upset or lash out at you because you're trying to improve your life, Do you really want to take that friendship with you into your future? You know, I want support and fun and and friends that I can, you know, feel good with. Um, So, yeah, I think those conversations with the people around you are so important to have because then I guess you can see, okay, is is this relationship and connection going to serve me moving forward into this next stage of my life for whatever you're working towards? Definitely. And part of that sort of leaning on your supports with with your goals at the moment, but I think a part of that, which is a lot of the work you do, Jess, is around that accountability as well, isn't it? Can you talk to us a bit about that kind of accountability focus with the goal setting and the habit setting that you do? This is a good question because this is something that I've been reflecting on lately myself as well. With accountability, I am a big fan of accountability. And I think where people go wrong is just having none and thinking that they can do it on their own. If we take training, for example, anyone can train. If you look on the internet and you Google fitness workout, there are millions, like millions of any workout under the sun, strength workout, uh, high intensity yoga, there's free YouTube videos, fitness is everywhere. You can you can train anywhere and and people just don't always do it. Yeah, there are people who are already in the habit of training and they're likely to just continue that. But if you are not currently in the habit of training, you have access to it. So it's not the fact that 
you just don't know what to do or you don't know how to do it, maybe you just need some support. Maybe you need a coach there for a little bit who isn't calling you every half an hour of the day saying, hey, did you eat breakfast this morning? Hey, are you eating your lunch? At some point, you know, you're an adult. You need to do something for yourself and and take responsibility for that. But it is really helpful to have someone who's an outside person, who's not a friend or a partner, checking in if it's a a weekly check-in, for example, or a monthly check-in or once or twice a week, depending on the person and what you need, to be like, hey, how'd you go with your training this week? Because what I've noticed is people feel worse about letting someone else down than they do themselves. So even me, for example, if I'm going to skip out on a training session or anything, and I know that I have a coach that's going to check in and say, hey, how'd you go with that training session? I'm not going to feel good if I say, hey, I didn't do it. Like I want to be able to be like, yeah, I crushed it. Yeah, I did it. You want that feeling. Whereas if you are saying to yourself, all right, I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and at 5am and do this training session before work or whatever, and the alarm goes off in the morning and you don't have any accountability, even if it's just meeting up with a friend at that time to do it. Mm -hmm. Like if you're going to snooze the alarm and roll over and go back to bed, because that's the easier option in the moment. Whereas if you have a coach or a friend that you're meeting at that time, you're not going to want to let them down. If us three organized a session tomorrow morning at 6am, we're all pretty likely to go because we've all committed. And if I wake up in the morning, I'm going to say, I told the other girls I'd go, all right, get out of bed. And then you'd get there and you feel really good afterwards. But if it was just me going, and then if it starts raining or if I'm tired or all the excuses start popping in which we all have and I don't have any accountability around it I'm going to snooze and then just think it's not a problem and then I'll just push it to tomorrow and try again tomorrow and that cycle is probably likely to keep recurring so yeah I think that accountability is just so helpful yeah and it's not just about sort of that sense of letting someone else down it's also about having someone else to celebrate the wins with you isn't it it's having that person that when you get to your 5am session is in your cheer squad and is really happy with you and you get to kind of actually celebrate doing that together as well and i think sometimes people feel like they're kind of failing in their goal setting or their goal achievement in some way if they need that accountability but it's really about knowing what works for each of us because we all need accountability in different ways some of us can be really accountable to ourselves And that's what's really important. Some of us, we need someone else to set the goal and we need to be accountable to that other person. And some of us sort of need to set the goal ourselves, but then make ourselves externally accountable. So it it is really useful to kind of check in because often if we look at other areas in our life, like our work or, you know, studies, if people have studied in the past, we're usually accountable. There's not many other areas in our life where we're not accountable to somebody else and we achieve all those goals and we get to work on time. But we're usually accountable to somebody, aren't we? So then we sort of put a lot of pressure on ourselves with our self-care or our habits or our healthy healthy routines that somehow with that stuff we have to do it all on our own and we're kind of failing if we don't. Yeah, it's really different mindset. And it's, it's good that you mentioned that as well because you think about even courses that you can sign up to online or workshops or things like that. And the amount of 
people, I know I have done this a lot before, but the amount of times that I've come across a free course or something online that I'm interested in, that maybe it goes for six weeks and it's got different modules you can do each week and it's an educational thing. I have signed up to multiple courses like that in the past, maybe watch the first module and then life gets in the way and I just never do anything about it after that. Whereas at uni, there's a deadline. There is a, this assignment is due this Friday at 4pm and if there's no urgency or a checkpoint or something where, you know, it needs to get done at this certain time, you're just less likely to do it. So then it's like, well, is the win, if you, if you want to win, why do you need to do it on your own? Like you winning, being like, no, I've got this on my own. I don't need any outside support. You know, I can do this on my own. And then you not doing that. That's not, that's not a win. <laughs> just reach out for that extra bit of support. Like you're not at a loss if you're saying, hey, want a little bit of accountability. I'm going to join this program or whatever it is just so I can get this foot up my butt that I feel like I need at the moment. And then you can four weeks down the track consistently be training three times a week. That's a win. Like just just take the support. (laughs) Definitely. And, you know, coach is ideal for that, but it doesn't even have to be a coach sometimes. I've worked with people around you know, as a clinical psychologist, all of their thoughts around the the goal that they're trying to achieve, all of the behaviours around the goal, the feelings. And at the end of the day, for some people, all it's come back to is that accountability. When we look at why they used to achieve the goal, it's because they used to walk with someone else who no longer lives in the same country. And all we had to do was then text the person to say they were going to go for a walk that week and then text them once they went for the walk. And suddenly after months of trying, they were walking again. So that accountability if you don't have a coach you know and you don't have that professional support it can just be like maybe you just text a friend you say what you're doing or I'm going to take time out to have a cup of tea today and I'm going to tell you when I've done it so it can be as simple as that sometimes yeah or even like a checklist like if you if you are able to do it and you want to do it on your own something as simple as a checklist like (laughs) here's one I prepared earlier Jess is currently showing us her <laughs> checklist for the day. So my cool. sticky note on my desk, journal before bed, five nights, daily power list and in bed by 9.30 p.m. And I have a checklist next to my bed where I've got those three habits that I'm working on so I can tick, tick, tick. I don't like the days when I don't get a tick. <laughs> <laughs> But what about for people, I mean, some people that would work and then some people would just lose interest in that too. So what, you know, what other challenges do you find people come across and what challenges have you found in terms of not getting your ticks and getting your self-care in? I think it's, it's interesting because there's a couple of different ways that you could go about it. Like one, if you're not getting the ticks, say you have, you know, If we use two of mine, say I want to be in bed by 9.30 p.m. and I want to journal before bed, right? So obviously nighttime routine is pretty important for me at the moment. Say that's what I'm focusing on and I'm consistently not getting ticks on that. Taking some time to reflect on why is that? Firstly, am I just trying to do something for the sake of doing it that's not that important? 
if so, if it's not a problem, it's not a problem. Like pick something else, work on your nutrition or something else that, you know, is more important. But if this is something that is really impacting your life, that is important for you to start to improve, then look at, okay, why am I consistently not doing this and making it a priority? And how is that a problem? Because if you can connect with the why, it's then not just a pointless daily task, it's adding something else that you have to do to your already busy day. You know, if you can connect a why for, all right, well, the reason why I'm journaling before bed and getting to bed by this certain time is because when I don't do that, I binge watch Netflix for another two hours and go to bed at 11.30 p.m. And the flow and effect from that in my next day is I wake up grumpy, I miss training, I'm more likely to eat processed food sugar, I'm snappy with my partner, I don't react to things well. Like if you can if you can realize why you getting a better quality sleep is important and how that's negatively impacting you, that's then even if you write the list of those things next to your checklist, <laughs> that could then help you realize, no, I I'm going to stick to this because then if you do it once like the the first day is always going to be the hardest because you're in that habit of whatever it is that's dysfunctional say watching netflix day one of you not watching netflix is gonna feel you're gonna feel resistant to that because you're just in that habit and you're trying to create a new one so if you can somehow muster up the ability to say no i'm sticking with my my focus today and i'm going to make sure that i you know I'm going to journal then i'm going to go to bed and that's it the next day when you wake up you'll feel really good about that and then you're more likely to do it again it's still going to be quite challenging on day two because you haven't broken the pattern yet but if you do it there's a book called the compound effect and it sort of talks about how every decision you make might not necessarily have a huge difference in your life when you make that minuscule decision, but any decision you make is either taking you on one of, one of two trajectories. It's either serving you or it's not. Like there's no in-between. So it's like the decision to watch Netflix that night and stay up till 11.30 p.m. is not serving me based on where I want to go. So anything that I can do to just, Take one step towards a decision that is going to serve me and then just the next day make a decision for what is going to serve me and the next day make a decision for what is going to serve me. In three or four weeks' time, you won't even need to focus on it as a habit anymore because you've created that habit and you can work towards something else. It's just that breaking through that resistance, however you can, if it's outside accountability, if it's a checklist, if it's connecting to your why, if it's doing it with a friend, anything that's going to help you to, to just step up and, and change that habit. Because at the end of the day, you're the only one that can do it. You know, if I, if I had a psychologist and they, you know, gave me a you know, gave me advice for what I can do to help myself. And then I go home and when I'm on my own, I just don't do it. Like at some time I need to take responsibility and realize, Hey, I'm the only person who can change this situation. 
Like no one else is going to do it for me, no matter how much they care about me because everyone's got their own shit that they're trying to deal with as well. So it's like at some point you just need a, yeah, 5%. Just make one better decision today, you know? And I think that's so key in the reflection is key, which is what I often do with my clients as well is say, we, we do food diaries just to reflect on what are we eating or how are we feeling throughout the day or we'll do um, menstrual cycle diaries as well, tracking your cycle, which is something I'm keen to talk to you about as well because I know you have a bit of an interest in it and I, I work, I'm a cycle educator, I work with a lot of women's health issues. So obviously sometimes sometimes in your month you're not feeling like doing certain things, maybe it's exercise or maybe it's, just anything, your motivation might be lower. So how have you found that in your own personal life and also your work life as a PT? This is, well, there's sort of two different parts. One part is women function quite differently to men in in terms of just men normally work on a a day-to-day, you know, testosterone's high in the start of the day and then it lowers down and then it repeats on a daily basis. Like they're generally pretty consistent day-to-day. Yes, individual differences as well. But then with us who have cycles, um, we kind of work on a monthly basis. So there'll be days throughout the month where um, hormonally, we crave different foods than we might during other parts of the month. So there's sort of two parts of it. One, I think, would be if you're working towards a goal, then I guess the kind of masculine energy part of it is around commitment, discipline, consistency, uh, remaining focused, all of that. So then it's like, okay, well, if I'm at university, I can't say to my uni lecturer, hey, I'm not going to do this assignment this week because I've got my period (laughs) and I'm, I'm feeling low on energy. And, you know, like there's deadlines that you sometimes just need to hit no matter how, how you feel sometimes, you know, and then if, if you're training, it's like, well, you can work with your cycle to then if you if you know that you're low on energy for certain parts of the month, how can you change your training to then work with that so that you're not just fighting yourself every month and pushing through? Like if you know that there are four or five day period where you've just got nothing and maybe you're sore, tired, work with that. Don't try and hit PBs and smash your training at that time of the month, like take a bit more rest, do yoga, um, pull it back a little bit and do more mobility work or just less sets and reps so that you can stay consistent but just move your body in a way that feels good. And then in a couple of days when your hormones start to pick up again, you'll be able to then go back without detraining. And then at other parts of the month, you can then push faster if you're running or push higher intensity sessions. So you can work it around your cycle to really benefit you. It'll just be, I guess, coming back to that self-awareness of, am I just being lazy and blaming it on a part of my cycle? (laughs) Or am I just trying to push through a part where I, like my body just is saying no, and my body is saying to rest, 
listen to your body, like take the rest when you need it. Just have that awareness for am I doing what's right for my body and having the rest or am I, you know, being lazy and using this as an excuse because I can't be bothered. And only you, like as an individual, is going to really know that. Yeah, so nice to think about, isn't it? You know, that idea of kind of how can we thrive with the goals we're setting and also how can we set our goals up that we're going to achieve them and and succeed in them? Are we setting goals that aren't realistic for that time in our cycle? So, you know, do we need to pull back and adjust? And you said before sort of um, checking in with what's important to us when we're setting goals and there's a couple of kind of two key questions that I love to sort of think about with my own goal setting and with clients as well is just and I know you do one of these as well kind of getting um, people to rate how important a goal is out of 10 from a sort of zero to 10 and if it's not above a seven like a seven or above it's really not important enough for you to be spending your time and focusing on so that's sort of one quick one but the other one is how confident are you that you can achieve that goal from a zero to ten And same thing, if you're not sort of above a seven, then that goal isn't realistic. So you need to kind of pull back and work out, well, why isn't realistic? Is it because you're going to have your period and you know you're going to be exhausted, for instance, or is it another reason? And can you actually reset that goal to make it still important to you, but something that's much more achievable and realistic and you're feeling like that eight out of 10 confidence that you're going to achieve it? And I think that's sort of a really nice check-in for people when we're goal setting is just, you know, how important is it, but also how confident are we that we can achieve it? And if we're not, do we need to pull back and reset that goal? Yeah, yeah. And also about making things sustainable because you don't want to try something and then give up because it's all too hard not working. Then you think, oh, well, that didn't work, but it was really, like you say, the environment. Mm. Just to set up for success, yeah. Mm. Yes, Yeah. yeah, set yourself up for success. I love that. I guess another kind of part of the podcast, Courageous Living, and courage sort of and living courageously means different things to different people. So what does it mean to you and what are you doing when you're living courageously? Mm, I like this question. I think it would be like the, the gold standard for what's coming up for me is living in full alignment, like a... I listened to a podcast the other day and they were talking about having things in your life. Am I allowed to swear on this podcast? (laughs) Let it out. (laughs) Let it out if you need to. But the, the podcast was saying, you know, is it a full fuck yes? Like is what you're doing, if it's your relationship, is it your job, is it, you know, your friendships, like your training, whatever it is, like, is it a full fuck yes? Because if it's not a full fuck yes, it's a no. So my idea of courageous living is that passionate, exciting, and yes, not everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. There's going to be parts, you know, there's different seasons of our lives and there's going to be terrible things that happen and pain and all of that comes with it. But are you living to the standard of this is a full fuck yes? Because it's that that passion and drive that I don't want to lose. I don't, I don't want to settle for unhappiness. It doesn't need to be, yes, I'm, you know, swept off my feet and head over heels every second of the day. But I, I think 
be living courageously is no I, I really I want this this is what I really 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 want and I don't want to settle for 50 percent of that and it's that trust in the universe that this is kind of a bit woo-woo as well but we're going to go with it you know that trust in the universe that if something is meant for you it's going to happen like you look at any terrible thing that's ever happened in your life before like I've been um I don't know let go from jobs before and at the time it was the worst thing ever in life and then soon after that this epic opportunity popped up and it was that hindsight of wow I never would have got into this position if I if that terrible thing didn't happen or if I said yes to something that was actually a no you know those type of things so I think courageous living is holding out for the the full fuck yes and having that awareness for where am I settling how can I not how can I not settle? Like, just go for what you want. Because then worst case scenario, you fail, it doesn't work out, and then you just go for the next thing. People are so scared of failing. It's like, what's what's the worst thing that's going to happen if you fail? Like, people might know. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's getting, it doesn't always have to be, but out of your comfort zone a little bit to try new things and see, well, does this fit? Because sometimes we get in the habit of saying, oh, well, I'm not a runner or I don't, I'm not flexible enough to be a, to do yoga or I just eat like this or I need that. So yeah, sometimes it's getting out and trying something on and seeing, oh, actually, I didn't think I'd like this, but I love this and this makes me feel good or the opposite. But then at least, you know, you've tried and that's off the list, you know? So yeah, sometimes it's getting trying something new and seeing how it feels. Yeah. And worst case scenario, you might look like a bit of an idiot. Someone will laugh. And then a couple of weeks later, you might find it funny. <laughs> exactly. And I love a couple of parts of that courage within that, you know, what you're saying, Jess, as well, is that, you know, it takes courage to say no to things, doesn't it? That in order to say yes to the things that are really important, we have to be able to say no to things that are less important. And that often takes a lot of courage for us to say no, actually, but also, like you say, it takes a lot of courage to do something that has the chance where you might fail at it. You know, even if it's something like meditating for five minutes and you realize that you got to the end of the five minutes and you paid attention to something for the first 20 seconds and then you're completely off and you feel like you failed, even though it's just the practice, right? It, it takes courage to do something that, you know, you might not succeed at or might not think you succeed at. So I love, I love your idea of courageous living. It's so nice to take, take that away. Yeah, and it was um, it's cool. I've uh, one of my friends has um, a book, and B, I think I've told you about this book before, but he basically wrote a book um, that's all around. He wanted to give a logical justification for chasing your dreams, and it the whole purpose of the book is to try and debunk the fact that choosing the safe option is more logical. So it's kind of like, well, you, you take COVID, for example. You know, you look at how many people are in, were in safe jobs, you know, and then a worldwide pandemic comes and, and just obliterates 
heaps of businesses here, there and everywhere, whether you're in a safe job or a non-safe job or what you presume to be a safe job, you know. And, yes, other industries have been impacted more than others, but it kind of just shows you that nothing's safe. Like nothing is certain if you if you choose the safe option, that could go belly up and that company could go bankrupt anyway. Like you just don't know what's going to happen. So why are you settling for an average miserable job, life, anything that you really dislike? It's like, yes, you know, we need to earn money and there's a part that, you know, you do need to be sensible at some part, but also why not go after something that you love and chase your wild, crazy dreams, which could fail, but the safe option could fail anyway. So it's like you might as well fail at something that you really love and are passionate about. Yeah, and, I mean, on a smaller scale, an everyday scale, it's really about bringing that joy into your everyday life, isn't it, and enjoying the present and having small moments that bring you happiness and and joy and can be playful. So. What's an example of you just bringing a joyful moment into your day or week? I have been obsessed with dancing around my apartment to music when I'm doing the washing or cooking. (laughs) (laughs) So I love that you brought this up because, yeah, it doesn't, I think it doesn't need to be, you know, big things. It's like, how can I make those tasks? Like, there's not many people that I know who love folding washing. Not many people feel super passionate and really excited to go and get the washing off and fold it and put it away. <laughs> so it's like, well, if that is a task that you're going to be doing on a weekly basis, how can you make it fun? Because you're going to do it anyway. So you're either doing it and hating life whilst you're doing it, or can you put on a podcast or do it with your partner or your housemate and have good chats good chats at the same time or chuck on old school R&B songs. <laughs> I was waiting for the playlist of recommendations. <laughs> it's like an old school girly hits one with a lot of Beyonce. <laughs> Just to bring joy to something that's normally really boring. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah, I mean, yeah, music is joyful, isn't it, in any way, shape or form. So speaking of podcasts, actually, is there a recommendation that you would um, have about a podcast book or anything that you're listening to that people can maybe take away and read or get inspiration from at the moment? Ooh, what am I listening to at the moment? I'm actually listening to a book called The Body Keeps the Score, which I think I've spoken to you about before, B. Yeah. I've been up for a long time and I am I'm sort of going deep at the moment into how things can get stored in our body and how we can use our bodies to sort of move through different uh, emotions or feelings or just shift energy. And I haven't finished the book I'm only about halfway through the book but yeah I would recommend that to anyone who's interested in just kind of learning about um, I don't know how it's it's important to talk things through but the, the power that you have with 
moving your body or using breath work or different things if maybe for some people they find it challenging um like you guys would probably know way more than me for you definitely would know way more than me in this area but if I know a lot of people struggle sort of talking about things sometimes so if you can get some sort of shift in energy or shift in state by using your body if it's going for a walk or through movement or yeah breath work or um, anything that you can physically move that energy around your body and create a change in state yeah I'm getting a lot of value out of that well, we have had so much value from this conversation. I've absolutely loved it. And just quickly to um, quickly end it and give our listeners something really tangible to take away as well, a goal, what would be your top tip um, for our listeners to implement over the next week or so? I think maybe just commit to one thing. Just pick, pick one thing. A lot of the time... People try and create new habits and they'll pick 10 things that they're going to do this week and they might do it for two days and then they'll fall off the wagon and then they'll wait till the following Monday or they'll wait till New Year's or they'll wait till the next month and and try that. And it's just this constant never being fully committed to anything and sort of constantly failing, which is just a horrible feeling. Whereas if you just pick one out of the 10 things you want to improve right now, but you 100% commit to that one thing, you know, like you were saying before, 70% isn't enough. Like if it's seven out of 10 importance, it's just not that important. You know, pick one thing that is 10 out of 10 really important for you to improve right now and just do that and make it as simple as possible for you to do. You know, if you currently want to improve your water consumption and you're, you're not drinking any water throughout the day, don't set it for, oh, I'm going to drink three litres every day this week. Drink 500 mils. Drink two glasses of water daily for this week. And then if that's feeling good, maybe add another glass of water the following week. You know, just pick one, one thing that is going to make your life and health five or ten percent better tomorrow and just do that and then just do that forever (laughs) Jess thank you so much for joining us it has been such a delight and I feel like I've definitely taken away so much uh, and so many ideas on how to kind of help our well-being and and improve our self-care and I know our listeners will have as well so thank you so much thanks for having me Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. And if you know someone else who might find it useful, we'd be so grateful if you shared it with them. We appreciate each and every review that's been left and we love hearing from you. So please leave us one if you feel like it. If you want to stay in the loop about upcoming guests and episodes, make sure you hit subscribe and follow us on Instagram and check out the show notes for links to any resources that we might have mentioned in today's episode. Just a reminder that everything we chat about in this podcast is to help you live with courage and joy and nothing should be considered medical advice. So always chat to your own healthcare professional. We'll catch you in a fortnight for our next episode and we can't wait to have you there. We're grateful to record this podcast on the lands of the Wadarong people of the Kulin Nation and we pay our deepest respects to their elders past, present and emerging.